the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Harbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. As you probably know by now, it's Thursday, and that means it's the date day edition of the program. Paula is live in studio with me. And ladies, this day isn't only for you, but especially for you. And often we find that we get more calls uh, from men than from ladies on this day. So I don't know whether it's good or bad, but we'd love to have your calls and questions. Uh, If Paula can encourage you in any way, all you have to do is call us. Now, we'll take questions about anything. Doesn't have to be about what we're talking about or uh, just whatever's on your heart and mind. We'll do the best we can. You need only to call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, it's 630-5757. You can email your questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app and send in your questions uh, that way. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the hands-free feature of your phone with the free KSLR mobile app. Uh, Just hit the Call Now button. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Well, that's all we need to talk about, Paula, so now it's all you. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you, sir. It's been a really fun day. I ran home after um, one of our appointments, and I went to my local grocery store like I do several times a week. And I uh, sometimes I just rush in there, and I don't take off my sunglasses. Well, this this lady a little older than me said, oh, you look so cool. I was like, well, thank you so much. This is my favorite time of year. And then I thought, oh, my sunglasses are still on. So I don't know if she was saying I look cool because I have on my little shorts and flip-flops, or I look cool in my sunglasses. But either way, I just went with it and was thinking, oh, you are anointed of the Lord. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) You always look cool. It was probably a combination of all of the above. Okay. Uh, Hey, you know, Pastor Ron, there's been so much. I have so much to talk about, and I don't know where to start. So let me start with um, the producer just told me the National Day Headlines, it's Blueberry Muffin Day. That can't be bad. And if you can't do blueberry muffins, you could just flatten it out and call it a blueberry pancake, which is what you had today. So you were right there, Pastor Ron. And then 7-Eleven, because it's 7-Eleven, they always uh, do a little congratulations to themselves by giving out um, little free 7-Eleven Slurpees. And then the one for us is Cheer Up the Lonely Day. And so a lot of people, you know, they, they're shut-ins or they're shut-ins because they don't like to be around other people. And they listen to you, Pastor Ron. You're their, their pastor um, via radio. We pray that this radio today will cheer up the lonely. You know, Paul, Pastor Chuck, before he died and went to be with the Lord, uh, at a pastor's conference, somebody asked him, uh, you know, Pastor Chuck, being a pastor can sometimes be a lonely life. 
And um, I'm just wondering, how do you deal with the loneliness of being a pastor? Do you ever feel like you're alone? And he, he, he scratched his head. Pastor Chuck had no hair on top. Mm-hmm. And whenever he would sort of get flummoxed, mm-hmm. he'd take his hand and just kind of rub it in his head. And, mm-hmm. and, and you could tell he really didn't get the question. And finally he said, how can I be lonely if I'm never alone? Jesus is with me every day. How can I be lonely? And I think sometimes we forget that perspective. We, we sort of focus in on how we feel. We focus in on the things that are not in our lives. And we start to feel sorry for ourselves. And, and, and Pastor Chuck's response was so genuine from his heart. He said, uh, Jesus is with me. How can I be lonely? And I think that's the best source of comfort for anybody who's lonely today. I, I totally agree. And I remember being Pastor Chuck with his no hair self, you know. <laughs> and But I, I like the word flummox that you use. You know, I have to go home and look that up. I'm sure it means a little frustrated and <laughs> questioning and, you know, on top of being bald. So, um, yeah. So, Pastor Ron, I, I have this list of things that I, I really want to talk about. And um, I hope you'll be comfortable with it. So, uh, last week, what's today? So, today is the 11th. Okay, so today, on the 5th, um, whatever day that happened to be, you were talking in Hebrews 10. So, was that a Friday? Okay. Hebrews 10, uh, 1 through 18, talking about the Lord is faithful. Um, so, after we've confessed in 1 John 1 9, so why do we as Christians? Continue to walk around guilty and feeling condemned. Um, And if because of those things we are walking around holding on to a system of basically legalism on the basis of merit trying to impress God. And so I wrote in my, you know how I am, I wrote myself a note. And I said, Paula, (laughs) that be me, let that go. that's the way we're supposed to deal with Bible studies. We're not supposed to be thinking, boy, the person next to me needs to hear this. <laughs> Glad my husband's here because he needs to hear this. Yeah. Uh, we need to say, okay, Lord, uh, this is my time with you. Speak mm-hmm. to me. And this one of the things I love about you, I tell people um, often that I wish my whole church was like you. Mm. It's because people don't realize how seriously you take the Bible studies, your time with the Lord. Uh, you want to hear. You, you actually said something to me the other day that made no sense at first other than then, I mean, we we understand what you're saying, but you said, I like conviction. Yeah, I do. I don't think too many people like conviction because <laughs> it means necessarily that we've fallen short. Mm-hmm. However, what you like is being able to course correct. Mm-hmm. You like the Lord loving you so much, he doesn't let you get a little bit mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. And, and he just kind of stops you, turns you around, mm-hmm. and or turns you in the direction. Sometimes it's just a little tiny turn. Sometimes it's a bigger turn. Sometimes it's a bigger turn, yes. But, but uh, the idea okay. is you come to church to hear from Jesus, and you want to be different mm-hmm. with each and every Bible study you hear. Yep. That's the case, because, you know, we pray, and then I'm on the worship team, and how dare I sing, Lord, uh, change me. Make me more like you when I just come and, and listen without making any changes. So, you know, that's just, I don't want to be like that. I want to be changed. And I, I've been praying now, too. I want to see the changes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially with the public platform, when you're on stage with the worship team, um, you know, uh, being genuine and, and open before the Lord is critical. Mm-hmm. Imagine singing the words of those songs you sing with an ugly heart. Mm-hmm. That'd be terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep your thought where you are. Let's take a phone call from Castle Hills. Let's go to Rick on line one. Rick, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Ron. Paula, how y'all doing today? We're doing, doing well, well thanks. thanks. Just wanted to check in. Y'all make me laugh so much and smile. I love you so much. <laughs> and we've never got <laughs> the chance you. to meet just yet. I've been listening to you for at least a decade, I guess, since you've been on and hadn't been able oh. to drive to get to you. But uh, you said you'd talk about anything, and I said, well, I'll call them and see if they want to talk about guitar strings. Okay, go ahead. I was joking. That was yeah, I was going to say, when they break, it's like, uh-oh, hope you can do it you. without. 
I'm I'm surrounded by experts. I could have gotten an answer on anything. <laughs> uh, okay. No, y'all were just talking about never being alone, and I live alone, and I'm a singer and songwriter, and I wrote this song about called Never Alone, and I can't wait to sing it for you one of these days because that's why I'm never alone because how can you be alone when God, Jesus, and the Spirit are living in the house with you? Yeah. Well, Rick, I'd like to hear the song. That'd be great. Maybe if you've got a little recording of it or something, you could you could send it to me or you've got a YouTube page or something like that. I'd love to hear it. One of the songs that we sing here at the church, and Paula, uh, you know the titles better than I do, but Never Once. Was it called Never Once? Mm-hmm. So. There's a great song for you to look up, Rick, Never Once. And, and the whole idea is Never Once Have I Ever Walked Alone. Mm-hmm. And it, it's from the perspective of uh, somebody who's walking with Jesus, looking back on the times when they felt alone, and they come to this conclusion that, you know, I look back now and never once have I ever been alone. Great, great story. I'd love to hear the song, Rick. It's like that poem and that picture of the footprints. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Sometimes there's just one set, and we wonder if it was me or him, and it was him carrying me. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, for, for me, Rick, it's pretty easy to see my footsteps when I'm alone or, or if I've yeah. strayed off a little bit from the Lord because they're staggering and you can see the, the, the staggering. Uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah, that song, by the way, yeah. Never Once, was written by Matt Redman. There's usually a mess on the road, too, yeah. Well, I love you all <laughs> the pieces and spend some time with you. I'm, I'm recording. I'm going to put together an album and stuff, and one of these days I'll come over there and sing that to you when I can. Well, I'm so jealous of people with talent, Rick. God bless you. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, Paula, when people... Nothing to, when, thank you, Rick. Thank you. It. Came straight, straight <laughs> from God. Thanks, man. You know, Paula, when, when people say they've been listening for a decade to this, the teaching programs, things like that, uh, it's just an amazing thing. I know. It's yeah. Something that God did for us and uses us to do something is just something we get to be a part of. Yeah. You know, I, that's one of my questions, even though this is a squirrel, you know, you, you brought it up. I remember where I am, Pastor Ron. We're talking about um, what? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> walking in guilt and condemnation and, and why that's so detrimental to our health. But why did God want this radio show? You know, or people like Rick. We've never met, and yet he loves us. We're funny. He enjoys it. And, of course, today is National Cheer Up the Lonely Day. Not that he's necessarily lonely, um, but he is alone in his home, he and Jesus. And this radio program, just with Rick's comment, should cheer up other lonely, quote-unquote, people who can know that they never have to be alone. Thank you, Rick, for your call. Yeah, and we don't we don't want to sound naive here, Paul. We understand there are people who are lonely. Yeah. But I think when they once remember to focus on the fact that while lonely, they're never alone, mm-hmm. then God begins to fill that gap. You know, even the the the, the Apostle Paul, who is my hero in the faith, I am uh, nothing like him, but I have such a kinship with him. Uh, he hated to be alone. Uh, you could tell in especially 2 Timothy, the most personal of all of his letters, um, you, you can tell that he's just there and, and uh, the, the enemy is pounding, uh, the, the, the loneliness, he's cold, he's in a dungeon, mm-hmm. Mamertine prison. Um, he says, look, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, um, it's time for me to go. But then he, 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 he tells Timothy, gets very personal, he says, Timothy, come as quickly as you can and bring my coat cold here and bring my parchments I don't even have the, the, the scrolls the word here and come to me quickly why because he hated to be alone and Paul got great strength from being around other believers and I think for people that are lonely um, the, 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 the best counsel that, that I can give is is do like Rick who just called and serve God use the gift that he's given you to serve him uh, be involved in a local church, be active in serving that church, not just going to the church. And you're going to find out your loneliness sort of disappears. And then if you deal with that, if it's your desire not to be alone anymore, then God will have prepared you for the man or the woman that he's preparing for you. And um, 
we've seen that happen over the years so many times. Yeah. And you know me, I love being with people. Love it. You know, it's just like I'm in my element. I even even the prayer that I prayed this summer is Lord. When I go back home after vacation, I want to love these people even more. You know, I already love them, but I want to love them even more. And he's like, okay, good. Me too. <laughs> um, but uh, being alone, or, you know, when I'm home alone, no TV, no nothing, I am way more aware of Jesus' presence. You know, it kind of forces you to, because it's just, just me there and Jesus. So when I'm walking around the house and I, I can just really talk to him and, Listen, that is a really good time. That's probably the best time um, for me. And then you think of David, the little shepherd boy. You know, he's out tending the sheep. It's just him and these however many sheep his dad put him in charge of. And he was he wrote stuff like, the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, day after day, they pour forth speech. He's just looking around at the creation and and. For you, that's kind of one of those things where you just got to go to the beach. That's why we go to the same place every year. You just got to go to the beach, and you just stand there. And, oh, I love watching you because the water just comes just that far. And then, you know, I hear you say, God told that water, it has to stop right here. You know? And then what? Yeah, so never alone. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your song too, Rick. So anyway, back to my topic, Pastor Ron, that God is faithful. There's no reason for us to be walking around in guilt and feeling condemned. And you gave two reasons why we do so. Either we haven't truly repented, we're not right with God, um, because he hates sin and we're still in it. Or the other reason is we're feeling guilty for nothing. After confessing our sin and feeling guilty for it, we still... Are, are walking around like our shoes are too tight. And <laughs> it's because we don't truly understand that we've been forgiven and set free. Um, and you say, come on, really get this, you guys. Stop carrying around guilt. No, really know what God's done for you. And then you said this, give yourself grace. Yeah. That was for me because, some, you know, the enemy will bring, you know, thoughts. And I've, I've been feeling like, oh, man, why did I have that thought? Instead of, I know better. I know that the thoughts come from the outside most of the time for, for me. But there are some times when some thoughts that I just remember things, and but then I'm not as quick as I should be to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so that's when the guilt um, comes on me like, man, what kind of, you know, come on, Paula. What kind of Christian? But, but the Lord said, stop trying to impress God with, wow, I can't believe I had that thought, kind of a thing. Let that go. And then also to give myself grace and move on. Yeah. You know, um, it is so painful to watch people who walk around under the oppression of guilt um, when they don't have to. They're, they're doing so for no reason. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes we take this uh, perverse pleasure in feeling guilty. You know, if I feel really, really bad, then God will forgive me and then everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, if you're, if you're guilty, guilt is a good thing. Uh, and if you genuinely repent, there's then no longer any need to feel guilty. And there's so many of us walking around under this burden of guilt for nothing, for no reason at all. Uh, All we have to do is take the word of God for what it says. Uh, If I've done something wrong and I'm feeling bad about it, and then I say, Jesus, I hate doing that. I don't want to. Paul said, what I want to do, I can't do. What I I don't want to do, I find myself doing. If that describes you, then like Paul, come to the conclusion, oh, wretched man or woman that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? And from our perspective, we've already been delivered. I thank my God through Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 7, verse 25. He's the deliverer. So if after honestly confessing and repenting of your sin, you still feel guilty, then you just lack the faith 
to understand what God's really done for you. And what he wants to do is say, okay, let's stop worrying about it and move forward. I love that Paul says, one thing I do, one thing, forgetting what is behind, I press on. And he's straining. It's the, the, the Greek word's a word we get our English word agonized mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if anybody in the audience is burdened with guilt, um, open your Bible and ask God to give you the faith to believe what it says is actually true mm-hmm. and then give yourself grace. God gave you grace. Why can't we give ourselves grace? It's, it's sort of the height of arrogance, Paula, to, to uh, having received grace from God mm-hmm. to hold our sin against ourselves. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what exactly what you were saying. I was like, who am I to hold myself to a standard higher than what God... He goes, I know you're a sinner. I've saved you. It's like you're having your own child... And you love that child so much. And yet, they'll come to you with that cute little smile, and you know they're guilty. <laughs> but you still love them, you know, and you want to forgive them. Just say you're sorry, and let's move on. <clears throat> and that's what God has done for us. And I want to be ever more grateful in my heart and in my outpouring of my heart for my salvation. I'm forgiven. I sing the song, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me because you died and rose again. And so let me live that out. You know, uh, it's (coughs) a simple concept to understand intellectually. I think there's times we've got to be like Jesus' disciples and cry out, Lord, increase our faith. And it's the one thing he wants to do and, and to, to, to increase our faith. We need only to trust him. Yeah. And uh, Hebrews chapter 10, I said in that study last Friday, Paula, that it was the final doctrinal section. And it's why doctrine is so important, because doctrine supersedes how we feel. Doctrine doesn't require emotion. Doctrine is just black and white, cut and dried. And in the case of the, the letter to the Hebrews, who I believe Paul uh, was the author of the letter, um, he, he was writing to a group of persecuted, beleaguered uh, Christians who had converted from Judaism. Um, this letter is probably 20 years uh, after the, the move of God's Spirit when they got saved, 20 to 30 years. And now they're just tired of the persecution, and because of that, they're they're being given the opportunity by Jews. Well, look, we'll stop persecuting you. Just recant your faith in Christ and return to Judaism. Paul's saying, look, where else are you going to go for the sacrifice of sins? Mm-hmm. And and so, again, I, I understand people that get tired. I understand when they feel beat up. Um, as I said, when you mentioned this topic, I feel I understand when people feel guilty. They're disappointed in what they've done. Uh, but that's when we simply have to have the faith to really believe and appropriate the Word of God. This is what it says, and I believe it, and it doesn't matter how I feel or what I'm going through. I believe it. And if we'll do that, then uh, we will be in a position where um, we'll be able to enjoy our walk with the Lord. I just don't think there's enough Christians actually enjoying every day with Jesus. I totally agree. And the last thing I'm going to say on this subject is that, again, how dare I remember or we remember what God has already forgiven. You said this, move on. And then, of course, your your, your line now is, just be with Jesus, or it has been forever. I, I told you, I looked up one of my old, old Bibles looking for something because it was on the right-hand side halfway down the thing, and I knew where it was. But at the top, I have a note. You've been saying just be with Jesus for a long, long time. That Bible is one of those ones where I can't even hold it. All the pages just fall out. So (laughs) it was kind of cute. But um, move on. Just be with Jesus. He says that we're perfect forever. Perfect for him and forever. You know, Paula, one one of the great pleasures and joys of my life 
is we're we're watching people who have been here for a long time. Um, it's an amazing thing. We have new people coming all the week, but we have a huge number of people been with us for 20 years. You know, we've been here for 24, and and just but but there's times when like a light goes on, mm-hmm. and you see some of these people just get it, and it changes them forever. We got it. Just be with Jesus is pretty good. Just be with Jesus is excellent. Okay, so we have time to go to the next thing, and then we'll marry. One minute, so we don't. So why don't you talk okay. about the Sweet Summer Devotion? Oh, yeah, Sweet Summer Devotion. We just had Elaine Hollybaugh, and anybody who didn't listen, she would, I, I say that every time. They're all so good. But um, next Monday is Elizabeth Rio. Huh. <laughs> and because of your study on Sunday, you know, she already came to me and said, you know, Pastor Ron's talking about the prodigal. She said, it's no coincidence. That's me. That's what I'm <laughs> going to be talking about. And she said she was both brothers. She's both, <laughs> yes. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program. You're listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. We will see you in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program we have 30 minutes left to take your phone calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR and um i'll have some great wisdom for you Right? Holy Spirit, please <laughs> help me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Paula, where are we going now? <laughs> uh, you know, when we came back from uh, vacation, uh, the next Saturday, we had the leadership meeting, which we always do when we come back. And it's, it's a little bit more um, directed and, and a lot more serious, seems like, than even when you speak to the church. But you said to the leaders there, to whom much is given, much is required. Uh, We're given opportunities by the Lord to do what he's ordained us to do, and that leaders must be all in, sold out for Christ. Um, And then you've been talking about uh, our church, not just praying individually, but corporately praying. And And you told us, the, uh, the week before, um, that now the prayer meeting is going to not be in one of the classrooms, but it's going to be in the sanctuary because you feel like the Lord's going to just increase the number of people praying who believe in prayer. Um, and, and you said, you know, it's it's going to happen in those who pray that they would believe in and practice not only uh, their individual prayer life, but corporate prayer and see God move. Calvary Chapel, San Antonio, the Lord's wanting to do something spectacular here. Um, But will we be used? Um, And that that if revival is really going to take place outside of Calvary Chapel, San Antonio, it must first happen with us individually. And the reason that I uh, speak to the leaders when we come back, um, you know, God usually will take our vacation time and share some vision with me and give me some direction and correction and the kind of things that we need to do. And this year was different, Paul, because the Lord was, um, it was, it was so personal and without information, you know, when, when we went on vacation, God said, do a free school or when he said, start multi medical, those kind of things, you know, get excited because you can, you can quantify what you're, you're seeing accomplished. Mm -hmm. Um, But when God just says, look, I want to really do something spectacular. Through, through this church, will you let me do it? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm every day, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. I don't want to miss out on a single thing. Well, uh, I needed to come back and speak to leadership. By that, I mean the leaders, the pastors and their wives, the, the elders and their wives, uh, heads of, of, of ministry, mm-hmm. those, those who, who are actively ministering to others. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I, I basically told him, look, as a leader, too much is given, the, the, the context is much more is required. And that means you, you can't hold anything back. Now, to, to be a leader, you've got to be with Jesus. And if you're unwilling to, to be a part of what God wants to do here, I, I get it. I understand people get sidetracked. I understand that there is a, an enemy who says, oh, you know, you don't have to give up all your free time. You don't have to be completely committed or that radical. Uh, I understand all of those components. But I just told them that if they weren't willing to be a part of this special thing that God wanted to do, then they need to resign from leadership. And I don't say that in a heavy-handed way at all. Yeah, you were there, so you know. But but it sounds that way when I hear myself no. say it. And um, um, I wanted to challenge them and encourage them. One of the things about about prayer, um, we we've had I think for twelve years uh, Saturday morning prayer. Two thousand seven. I yeah. can't believe it. And, and you said July, but it was actually January. So it's been two thousand seven until right. And it's 9.30 every Saturday, mm-hmm. and you and I are here every Saturday if we're in town. Yep. And uh, if we're not, Pastor Cannon may take over, mm-hmm. or somebody else takes over. Right. Um, but um, um, he just said, look, this move that, that I want to do is going to start with prayer. And so when I said, look, I'm going to take a step of faith, our our fifth and sixth grade classroom that we've been using for Saturday morning prayer. We have a, a, a good steady group, 10 to 20 people that have been there mm-hmm. uh, over the years. We've seen God answer amazing prayers and, and transform their lives in an unbelievable way uh, because, because they take the time and make the commitment to come and pray. And um, um, I just said, you know, it's interesting to me that we've been doing this for 12 years. And some of you, leaders, never come to prayer. Now, I know you're busy. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not one of those guys that says, you got to be there every time. Mm-hmm. Nobody should be there every time life happens. But everybody ought to be there sometimes. And there's just something that happens when the body prays together. And so when I told the church that I was going to, to take a step of faith, we're going to start this next Saturday, which was last Saturday now from where we are, um, and we're going to have prayer in the sanctuary, I really didn't expect very many people to come right away. You know, those are things people... I asked them to pray about it, and, and, and I also mentioned this in the Bible study that I did on the Sunday we returned to the body at large. And the turnout we had for prayer was amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who all was there, because there's that many people. You know, you look back, and it's like, you asked me, was so-and-so there? I was like... Many people, I couldn't see everybody, but praise the Lord. Yeah, and people, some of them that we didn't know. You yeah. know, in a church as large as ours, you can't know everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, what you do is you see their hearts. And I'll just give you one example, Paula. Uh, over this past two years, three years, we've had uh, two couples come. Um, um, one of them came from England, Wales, and and another one just just popped in and. Um, and, and they've both kind of caught the vision. And um, I keep thinking, okay, Lord, I know you've got plans for them. So, so where are we going? Let's, let's just knit our hearts together. Well, the first thing that God did in their hearts was move on their hearts to come consistently to prayer. And I've learned more about their hearts just by listening to them pray mm-hmm. than anything else I could do. I could sit down and interview somebody. I can sit down and... And, and we can talk doctrine. But when I hear people pray, it's almost like Jesus right there and he's pointing to them. Mm-hmm. I got plans for them. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that happens. And again, I don't know what this spectacular thing God wants to do is, but I certainly don't want to miss out on it. And it's going to begin with the hearts of men and women moved to pray. And we're not talking about praying for your uncle's no. sister's niece who has a cold. Mm-hmm. We're talking about praying, God, I don't want to miss out on anything that you have. God, use me, use us. The um, win, the lost, the hurting, yeah. the hungry, the broken, the needy, the confused. And um, that's what happened this past Saturday. I'm excited to see what's going to happen this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a time of prayer. Christians getting together. We do that every Saturday at 930. And um, 
um, every other week now, if it goes a little longer than the hour, um, we could live with that. Um, but we've got on the other off weeks, we've got a pastor's discipleship class. So mm-hmm. we've got to kind of, but it's just saying, Lord, I want everything you have. I don't want to miss out on anything. And if we'll, if we'll do that, it's going to, and we recognize that, that our hearts becoming more like Jesus is what happens through prayer. Then prayer has to mean something. If it's important enough to ask God to do it, then it's important for us to be persistent in praying for those things. You were saying that as leaders, um, believing in prayer. And so you could see uh, that they went home after that Sunday when you said that. And they, because I've heard several people come and say, you know, God's been talking to me for quite a little while about making the time. Is it important, like you're saying, is it important? And you know, I should have been here before, but I'll be here now. But it, and like you said, you just ask them this Pray and ask Lord, should I go to prayer today? Most of the time he's going to say yes. But there's times, like you say, life happens and you don't need to be here. But you said um, that the leaders must work, encouraging others to join in the work. And then you said this. We should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And you followed it up with, and that's not arrogant. That's been huge for me because, um, you know, I, I, when I'll say, well, follow me if you see me following Jesus, but if I'm, if I'm not following Jesus, don't follow me. I should never say that. Yep, never. I should never say I should always be about following Jesus. But I've been kind of so busy making sure that I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal or anybody else putting me up on a pedestal that I'm knocking myself down. Shame on me. So follow me as I follow Christ, and that's not that's you know, just my job. The problem is the, the enemy in our flesh, we say something like that, and the enemy says, well, who do you think you are? Yeah, you know. know, you're not all that. You're not perfect. But the idea is every Christian has the obligation. Paul says he's a debtor to Greek and to Jew, to everybody, in other words. And and we have that same debt, that same obligation to, to tell people, look, watch me and follow me because I'm following Jesus. And if I'm following Jesus, by you following me, we're both going to end up being where he is. Mm-hmm. And and if we can't say that, and if you can't, if you think, well, that's an arrogant statement, um, you don't understand that's the whole of the Bible. The Apostle Paul said it. And we already know he wasn't perfect. We know that he dealt with pride a little bit and conceit. We, we, we know that Paul struggled with frustration and, and loneliness and things. But, but he could say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and if we can't say that, well, then we need some serious reflection on our walk with the Lord. And if we're worried about what somebody else might think, well, they think they're better than we are, well, then we just don't know the heart of God. It doesn't matter what other people think. That's between them and the Lord. To the pure, all things are pure. And, and so... Uh, my leaders needed to hear me say, follow me as I follow Jesus, but you need to go out into the body and be able to tell people that. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Friday, we got people. Last night, we had two people get saved on a Wednesday night, Old Testament Bible study. Mm-hmm. And all I could think was, Lord, they raised their hands, and people from the body go up to them and congratulate them and pray with them and ask them if they can help them in any way. And, um, that's what it means to follow Jesus. And it ought to be an everyday part of our work, and yet we are so self-centered that we think, oh no, if I say that, people are going to think. It doesn't matter. So thanks for that observation, Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, leaders, be sure your walls are impenetrable. The enemy comes against with attacks that will become ever more fierce. And, and those, you know, you gave us out. Well, I don't really have an out. I'm, I'm married to you. But but if you if you weren't serious, you gave us out. You know, if we're fearful like the the guys at the water, the Lord said, you know, you still got too many. Get the ones who are looking and lapping. Um, you gave us that option. If you're not gonna be a looker and a lapper, then you can go on go home. You know, you're still gonna be loved and maybe the Lord will use you maybe at home, but 
at home and church, that's a big responsibility. And so, Paul, Paul let's come back to this okay. and take a phone call. I think Roxanne's been holding for a while. From San Antonio on line two, Roxanne, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hi there, Pastor Ron and Paula. Hi. Hi, quick question. Um, actually, you baptized me in, in 2013, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. thank, thank you for that. I have a quick question <laughs> about schooling. I have a 23, 10, and 9-year-old, uh, and I have had my little ones, they're still in elementary, uh, in public, uh, not public, in private Christian school, and um, it's it's not easy as far as financially. It's a, it's a sacrifice. But my question at where we've, we've landed, we actually landed at a big Lutheran school this past year. And, um, and not being Lutheran, just kind of that's where we ended up. Um, my concern for them, and it's, it's kind of a conviction because we, we're not Lutheran again. And some of the doctrine that the kiddos get, like uh, it's just for instance, Ash Wednesday, we didn't participate, and I got to sit and tell them the reasons why, and not that just that you know, you know, traditions of man and the things that we don't do, and and and, and so on. But my longer question in that is, what do you honestly? I don't know. To each person, my conviction is to not um, have them in public school, just because of certain things. I mean, I take them to church. I don't rely on Christian school. But what is what is your take on that? I've even called your school and, and you know, talked to some of the people there. And just, it's one of those things that it's it's a huge sacrifice. Um, and and if I was to keep them in in private school, not saying anything wrong about Lutheran, but like, what what is your opinion or thought on children getting a different doctrine than what you know the, the traditions and the things that they do that that you don't? Yeah. Ooh, Roxanne, thank you. I, this is a loaded question for me. Uh, obviously, um, the Lord has invested a, a, a bunch of his resources uh, here through us uh, in having a free school. Let me say, first of all, just generally, in principle, I think it is absolutely shameful that we charge kids who come to our churches to go to our school. Freely you have received, now freely give, Jesus said. And that's the exact verse that he used uh, on me when we were starting the school, just thinking about, well, what are we going to do? I know this is a burden of your heart, Lord. Um, but, but but he really challenged me. Freely you've received, now freely give. I knew he was telling me to make this school free. Um, this school costs us a lot. Now, Roxanne, you said you've called people here, and, and um, um, you know, one of the advantages of a free school uh, uh let me rephrase one of the disadvantages of free schools. We got a huge waiting list. Um, uh, we we don't have unlimited space. We we have 135 kids in our school, K through 12. Um, we pay for tuition. We pay for books. We pay for uniforms. It's a great school. We have 100% college placement. These kids are getting solid doctrine. Uh, and Jesus says, whatever it costs, I'll pay it. So, uh, I'm going to be coming to you from that perspective. I can't imagine a situation where I would want my child in a school that's teaching them doctrine that isn't consistent with the Bible. And that's going to be what happens in Lutheran school. Now, I'm not suggesting even for a moment that Lutherans aren't real. Christians are not really saved. The things that we uh, disagree with them uh, on doctrinally are things that are not essentials of our historic Christian faith. So our brothers and sisters who are Lutherans, God bless them. We're going to be with them in heaven forever. The problem is, is that they're based more on their Lutheran tradition than they are on the word of God. And there's always going to be changes. There's been a great division in the, in the, the Lutheran church in the past 10, 12 years. Uh, and, and one of the Missouri Synod, I believe is the one that's, that's um, gone completely apostate. Why? Because they started throwing the Bible away. And I would not want my children in a place where they're taught that the um, um, the bread and the wine becomes the actual body and blood of Jesus. I wouldn't want them taught that that's uh, how they, they know Jesus is in their life because, well, they, 
they they participate in the in the in the mass the eucharist every week uh, i wouldn't want them taught that uh, infant baptism saves them um i mean there're just some real real problems so my perspective is if you're going to have them in a christian school it needs to be one that has doctrine that comes straight from the word of god not a tradition not a an interpretation but but comes from the word of god uh, and the emphasis then would be on Jesus rather than on being Lutheran. Now, having said that, I, I you know uh, uh, the, the, the fact that people pay five six hundred dollars a month per child in this day and age, where it's tough sometimes just to pay rents and mortgages, is overwhelming to me. Our school, um, um, I'm going to lump two of them together, and I, I don't think I've ever said this on the air, our church knows it, but Roxanne, our school, just the school, and our medical clinic, just those two ministries, cost us $100,000 a month. And Jesus says these kids are worth it. Our church supports the school, supports the the medical office. So, uh, obviously, he's called us to take this step of faith. And my concern would be... um, having your children grounded in the person of Jesus Christ, not in a gospel message, but in the person of Jesus Christ and being raised with sound doctrine. And, and I, I that, that would be a, a non-starter for me now. Uh, and this is my own opinion. I think having him in public school is preferable to that because at least in public school, if the doctrine is solid, if they're, if they're going to a, a Bible teaching church, uh, then they're equipped. They're going to be equipped to deal uh, with with the public school. They're going to be equipped to deal uh, with with those who are uh, critical of, of of Christians and what we believe. Um, but when when you inundate them with bad doctrine, Catholic schools, um, Lutheran schools, prosperity churches that have schools and charge a lot of money for them, uh, it, it's it's just teaching them that which is not true me is worse than trusting them with the Lord in a public school. And again, that's only my opinion. It's only my opinion. So, Roxanne, I'll be praying for you. Uh, I, I, I would love, I'm sure you, when you got baptized, I'm sure there was a picture that was taken because we've had the same guy taking pictures in the water every year. And uh, <laughs> I'd love to get a copy of that picture if you got it to help me remember. Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Pastor. And I really that's on my heart. I am. I have been so uh, troubled by it because I, I don't know. What, because a lot of the kids can see. Well, just not even with the tradition, but even some Christian schools that are um, and, and, and the hypocrisy or what have you. The older they get, and you're right. Preferable to exactly what she said to go to public school rather than than that. And, and I, I hear you. And I thank you for your for your answer. And I appreciate your your prayers. My pleasure, Roxanne. Thank you very very much. Um, Paul, let me add one more thing. Now we're inside four minutes, so this half has just gone really, really fast. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm I'm not a huge fan of homeschool um, unless the, the the parent teaching is a gifted teacher. Um, homeschool can't be church in pajamas. Uh, it can't be let's sit behind a computer screen and, and go online. There's going to be interaction, and and I think for a parent who's a gifted teacher, homeschool is great. But when we've tested homeschoolers, when they come into our school and we're looking for placement, where do they, where do they belong? Uh, we've found that homeschoolers are way, way, way behind um, the grade level um, of our school. And um, I, I know all the teachers are, are servants at this church. We know them inside and out. They've been with us a long time. So we don't take any any chances with it. So um, again, for those of you who homeschool and you do it well and God's gifted you to do it, God bless you. That's great. But um, uh, I think being afraid of public school and what the kids are going to be exposed to is a poor reason to, to, to get into homeschooling. They're going to eventually be out in the world anyway. Might as well get them yep. ready yep. and let them loose on. Our like job is to equip them yeah. to, to be in this world. Yeah. Um, and we don't do that if we're just running in fear. Well, Paula, you've got under three minutes left now, so. All right, that's okay. Um, well, so 
we were talking about the leaders again and, and making sure their walls are up. Be sure to be with Jesus. Um, work on personal holiness without question. Deal with the issues of the heart. That's what I, I really especially like uh, when we go on vacation because we have a little more time. We have a lot more time. We have a lot more time. I was able to vacation with me again? I'll be happy to. <laughs> I really would be happy to. We get to have some conversations that just didn't get interrupted, which was kind of cool. Um, uh, let me see. Deal with the issues of your heart. Yeah, Walls in your home must be secure. We have to be hot for Jesus all of the time. There's no days off um, because our families need to be protected. And husbands and wife need to be friends. Ephesians 5.21. You're my best friend my best friend, our real team and partner. Now, sometimes you can, you're my best friend, but sometimes your best friend, because they know you so well, you can be like my worst friend sometimes because you know me too well. So, but, but, um, and then you said, be sure our marriage and family life is so strong and that don't let any bad mood um, move us. You know, if I wake up from a bad dream or something. I don't need to put all that on you and you don't need to put your stuff on me. But that, as leaders, we are to help others who aren't as strong as us. Will you stand up for the job? For you in the audience, please pray. We don't know what God is going to do through our little church, but we, we're looking for him to do something spectacular. Mm-hmm. Hey, you've been listening to Date Day Edition of the program. Thanks for tuning in. It means more to us than you could possibly know. Uh, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.